Welcome to The Coconut Connection, a podcast where we share our cultural views about various topics to inform, empower, and hopefully entertain with humor. In other words, it's cheaper than therapy. I'm your host, Jade Fox. And I'm G Supreme. Baby Yodas we are, Jedis we are not. Yet. Good morning. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening. Whatever, whenever you listen to the Coconut Connection. Thank you for listening. You are awesome. Yes, you are. If nobody told you that yet today, you are awesome. So um, I would like to open up with comments. So I have eight comments. Oh, comments. Yes. Um, This is from Tori Shea on Instagram. Okay. And she um, commented. You can comment on our Instagram. Uh, It's the coconut pod. I don't even know what my. It's coconut pod. And uh, you can either direct message uh, us or you can just put it on the actual comment page um so this is from tori shape she says hi there i love listening to talks pod oh to (laughs) (laughs) it's too early in the morning i know hi there (laughs) i love listening to your podcast it's so interesting and insightful i learned so much about your culture your struggles and how y'all came out of it you're both so positive but not in a falsified way but a genuine way i know Like, I remember listening to the episode where Jade was talking about her struggle with weight loss and gains uh, around the holidays. But at the end, while she said she was still struggling, she chose to be positive and focus on something else and keep a good headspace. And that's really admiring. Oh, thank you so much. The very first episode I listened to was the one where y'all talked about body image. And I can really relate to your stories. I'm 22, and my mom still comments on my looks and weight on a daily. So, yeah. Just I'm wanted feeling to you, say hi, and I, I love the podcast. Keep rocking. Thank, Thank you, Tori you. Shay. Thank you so much. Um, it, Check out the underscore Tori Shay um, and Instagram. Um, I really love her energy and her smiles. I was like, I need to take more selfies with the people I love because she – just brings a smile on my face when I look at her um, her page. So I love that. I love positive up. people. Mm-hmm. So we trying to stay positive too. So what's up with you, Jade? Uh, what's up with me? Hmm. Oh, you know, um, someone invited me to do this Deepak Chopra Twenty One Day Abundance thing. Yes. Okay. I've done that. Okay, and I, you know, I like Deepak Chopra, uh-huh. and I liked the this Twenty One Abundant Twenty One Day thing. Yeah. Because I like the meditation. I, I actually felt like it was working. Great. But uh-huh. but it came to a part where one of the less or one of the things we had to do was to create our own group. Once it got to that, I was like, I'm out. No, uh, it was just too much. Like I, I just want it for me. I don't want to like be responsible yeah. for a group. And, and I was kind of sad because I really liked it. And I was sad that that had to be one of the things i don't know if you had to do the same thing um but. i never got through the 21 okay. days um but that's probably your introverted side coming out it is it is because i have a friend that they're probably gonna know who they are but um <laughs> sh- she's going through like group therapy and it was fine until she was actually required to speak <laughs> 
she ref- you know she prefers more like the one-on-one but it's kind of hard to get a one-on-one therapist yeah like, you know their books and stuff so she had to go through group therapy and like she's just like i'm out they're asking me to like share you know yeah. and i'm i'm not there for it so i think it's hard for people it is. I mean, I have no problem sharing. I think it was facilitating a group that oh, was facilitating yeah, a group? like you had to be in charge of starting the whole thing and getting people to do even if it was one person. But I'm like, no, I don't oh, want to wow. focus on other people. I want to focus on me like this whole well, thing. That is makes me. sense. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I can join a group. That's like easy for me. Yeah. And you're not joining face to face. So it's like, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah, sorry. So that was that was I was kind of sad because I did like that meditation. Well, at least like you, you, yeah, at least you're trying. Like I'm doing this. Up. I do a couple things. Like I listen to some podcasts that have meditation, like just like the soothing voice. Yeah. And then um, I I have this app called Headspace. Okay. And it's really good. Um, I try to do it, you know, like on a regular basis. But um, it's really good just to like take those, you know, one to two minutes. It it lets you choose how much minutes you want to to meditate for and um headspace headspace app yeah all right today's topic is inspired by something that recently happened um in my profession so uh a few years ago i learned that there was a filipino american history month and i received an email from my district talking about make sure that you mention um dyslexia and um, Latin American month and all these things and I was like wait a minute where's Filipino American history month so I emailed that person back I don't know they were part of instruction and stuff and I told them like well why isn't Filipino American history month part of this email or part of like it's never mentioned like as I've I've taught for 21 years and it's never been mentioned. It's um, it was a thing in 1985. And then there was a recent le- legislature in California that says that, you know, that was an official month that schools were supposed to mention it. So I questioned it and I gave him them links and I was like, Hey, you know, Filipinos have been here since the 1500s. Um, they, they're a big part of uh, the labor movement and history. And, we need to be represented. So about two months later, uh, it it had a board resolution saying that it was going to men it was going to m- mention Filipino American History Month starting 2020. So I thought to myself, okay, so what's the next step? The next step is education. Like, how are people that are that don't know Philam or not? How are they going to know about? Our history. Yeah, so I didn't even think about it because growing up, yeah, I mean, it was never, you know, and I just didn't think about it because, mm-hmm. you know, didn't give much thought to it. Yeah. And I went to college and I went to a lot of ethnic studies classes and it sparked interest in my own culture because I'm like, wow, they have classes on African-American history African-American women writers, um, Asian studies. And and I took that, too. And we were just like a little like one chapter talking about like Filipinos in the history in, in Philippines. It wasn't about American history. So, yeah, like you, it's like, I mean, I thought about it, but I'm like, OK, it's just not out there yet. And so as now, how many years later, 
um, I'm like wondering, like, like, where are we? Well, back in the 90s, when I went to the library, there was hardly any books about Filipinos. And if there was, it was about like, like the colonization uh, by Spanish, like really old history. It was not no American history. So I wanted to do this episode um, to start the conversation. Anybody that's listening out there um, to kind of, I guess I'm going to do like a mirror, like not really in depth talk about um, Larry Itliong and the labor movement um, because there's other people that have gr- other great resources and I'm going to talk about them um, at the end of this. So I hope you guys get something out of it. I'm going to talk about the labor movement and how Filipinos were involved in that. And specifically, Larry Itliong. I'm I'm thinking you guys can hear the cooking in the back. It's yeah, like sizzling. <laughs> now we're just gonna, we're just hot, girl. Gonna, we're just I'm, hot. I'm not gonna <laughs> sap somebody cooking. So um, <laughs> if you hear some sizzling in the background, that's what it is. I'll try. That's to talk. just okay. Jade. That's yeah. just Jade. <laughs> She's hot. Um, I got my information from a, several places. Um, there's two podcasts that I listen to, um, and they give really good information. Long distance radio. That was good when I watched. The did you YouTube. watch that? Yeah. What'd you know you what? I I did not know anything about this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually surprised. Not a that, lot of people that, do. Yeah, I was surprised that we were oppressed in such a way. Like I, and they were very informative. I thought I liked the way they did it. They they kept me entertained. I liked their chemistry between mm-hmm. you know the the guy and the girl. Mm-hmm. And did you did you listen to the podcast and the YouTube? No, I just watched the YouTube because I thought oh, okay. it was yeah. Oh, I wasn't able to to listen to the I I should have, but I was kind of listening to it and it just was like wow, I didn't realize mm-hmm. all that, and I didn't realize the connection between It Leung and Chavez. Like yes. I did not know. Yeah, because I'm sorry, I I been in school like for my whole life and never did I see a picture um, or a mention of Larry Young. so that's why I'm so passionate about this and um, long distance radio episode you can watch the video on YouTube or listen to the whole episode on their podcast um, another great resource is um, this Filipino American Life episode 28.5 um, they talk about um, Little Manila is in the Heart. This is a book from um, Don Malabone. Sorry if I said it wrong. Um, I should have wrote it down. And then um, this book that I that I got my resources from, Journey for Justice, um, written by Don B. Mabalone. Sorry, Mabalone, not Malabone, whatever I said. Don, M-A-B-A-L-O-N, Don Mabalone. Okay, so I'm just going to jump into it. So... He was born um, Modesto Delay Itliang. And what I find interesting is that he's from my mom's hometown. Oh, Pangasinan. Pangasinan. Mm-hmm. I did see that. I was like, wait a minute. Why does that sound familiar? Yeah. So I asked my mom about that. And she's oh, like, oh, did oh, she? that sounds familiar. I don't know. So, did she know about him? Yes and no. Because I was talking to my mom about that. And she's like, oh, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that guy the one that was, didn't want to eat? And I'm like, that's Cesar <laughs> Chavez, mom. <laughs> so I'm educating the elders. <laughs> Um, or like my, like my aunt knew about it, but it was never spoke upon. Like, yeah. like, oh yeah, that guy that was at the cigar. It's like, 
You gonna mention <laughs> he it? He was more than that. He was more than he just was more than that. So and yes, you'll see way more. So he was born in the Philippines. Um, he went to school up to the sixth grade, and um, he was at at that time the U.S. was thought as superior. So speaking English was uh, more uh, preferred. And he always wanted to come to America. Obviously, like the the idea of you can come to America, go to school, be somebody. So that was what he wanted to do. His father um, was like, no, you're not going. And I'm not giving you permission. So he gambled his money and he raised enough money to go to the U.S. And eventually his dad gave him his consent. And he really wanted to be an abogado, which is a lawyer. So he got on a ship called the Empress to Seattle, Washington. So this part, I thought about my grandparents because both of my grandparents came on ships, on uh, passenger ships. Um, my grandmother from Cebu, from the Fasayan uh, Island, um, she was two years old. Wow. And with her, with her parents. And then my grandfather, he was 16 when he got to. And then basically it was the lure of, um, you know, labor and jobs in Hawaii for to work on the plantations. So pineapple uh, plantation, sugar cane, all that. So he landed in Seattle, Washington. And he did meet other Filipinos that were that had professions like they were teachers, they're doctors, lawyers. But all of them, he realized they were like poor and Uh they had to work in canneries and harvest grapes onions and tomatoes being these educated people they had to work in yeah wow and that's kind of like a lot of a lot of immigrant stories right they they in their country they have education and maybe status and they but that's how badly they want to move to america i think that that's the same thing now so he wrote he noticed that you know there was bad working conditions because he ended up having to work in those conditions like you know, working long hours and they would work sometimes six days a week, 23 hours a day. So you'd only have like one hour of sleep. Um, he just a fun fact. He accidentally got three of his uh, fingers cut I off. I read that. <laughs> so read he was that. called seven fingers. I thought, well, I didn't hear about that. So the first thing, the first time he like got into the labor movement, he was working I believe in a cannery and um, the workers were like, we need to get paid more. And it was all like Filip- Filipinos, brown people and white, white people. And they were like, we need to, we need to strike. And so they striked and then some, there was white scabs. So scabs mean that people that crossed the picket line to take over the work. Uh-huh. So they, I believe the fight was won, but only because they gave, they gave the raises to the white workers. But there, that was when he realized, like, you cannot win a fight unless you're united 100%. Like, you're all in. So the Great Depression came, so that's the 1930s. And uh, like today, a lot of the Mexican and Filipino workers were blamed for taking all the jobs. So, um, and, and 
that's kind of like what's happening today. Like, yeah. well, who's going to work these jobs? Like they're taking our jobs from each other. And like, I just want to say that none of the other people are going to work those yeah, fields. Like you're not fighting for exactly. to work any of the labor. That and that's that what makes me do. upset. It's like they're the only ones that are willing to to bust their asses Mm-hmm. and do that exactly so exactly. you weren't there like, well, you're where not were taking you your job where were you when they needed people to work on those fields and do all yeah. that stuff so they're not taking anybody's jobs away um they could only live in like chinatowns and manila towns um they had like labor camps of course they faced racism and threats from whites um and all that um, their camps were often bombed. Um, wow. They were beaten, shot, killed. There were signs that said no dogs. And then they would have and Filipinos allowed. Why didn't we know any of this? Why didn't we know any of this? Why didn't I know any of this? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, why? That's why I don't understand. Like, this is like, like huge. Um, at that time, there was also laws that limited a Filipino immigration to the entrance to the U.S. And a lot of them were given one-way tickets. Like, here's a ticket to go back to your homeland. And some people took it, but most people didn't. Um, they couldn't be citizens. They couldn't marry. They couldn't wow. vote. And they couldn't own land. Wow. So, so yeah, that's a lot. Well, basically... You just cut your life off, basically. And you thought that you're going to come to this country to be better. There was uh, another strike in 1939 in Stockton uh, where there was asparagus growers. And the Filipinos had uh, created a labor association called Filipino Agriculture's Labor Association called FALA. And 6,000 workers went on strike. So Larry was a part of that. But then the World War II happened. So Filipino Philippines became an independent independent country. And so they had promised Filipinos that now you would be U.S. citizens. So a lot of people dropped out because they kind of lost the fire. Yeah. He was also involved in another strike in 1948. And again, he lost that one. Um, uh they were fighting for like, I guess, $2 an hour at that time. So there was another strike. There was just a lot of strikes. It wasn't just one strike. He he has been involved in all these strikes up to 1965. So um, there was another labor uh, union called Agriculture Workers Organizing Committee. And they wanted him to be part of this. Um, organization because they had heard that he had done he was a leader a labor leader um so after 10 days they won the strike so that one was actually successful they were for grape growers and it was in coachella valley in 1965 so this is the one that people probably know about uh delane the delano grape growers in 1965 the there was a lot of people part of this AWOC, including not just Filipinos, but African-Americans, Arab, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, and some white. And so they had to find a way to communicate with each other because everybody spoke different languages and different dialects. So they they provided that for everybody. Um, they fought for $1.40 an hour plus 25 cents per box that they packed. Jeez. And... 
to a right to form a union. So this is when, so they were already organizing. Then they joined forces with Cesar Chavez, Galbert Padilla, and Dolores Huerta, who is um, the NFWA, the National Farm Workers Association. And it says in the book that Larry went over there, talked to them. Um, and he says, we Mexicans and Filipinos need to unite because the only way we're going to win this is to work together because they're going to use you as scabs when we strike yeah. and then vice versa. When you guys strike, they're going to use us as scabs. And so we should just fight together. And actually, Cesar Chavez hesitated. He didn't feel that that was going to be a good, a good uh, strategy. So, so um, Larry Leong and Cesar Chavez decided that they would vote. They would have their association vote, um, the one that um, Cesar Chavez was a part of, and they got a unanimous like, yeah, well, let's wow. let's let's join together and strike. So the whole thing was though it had to be nonviolent. So they picketed, they marched to Sacramento, our state capital, and it became the UFW, which everybody knows, the United Farm Workers. After that, they also started boycotts of grapes. So told everybody, including grocery stores, don't buy grapes um, because of all the work, bad working conditions and the long hours. And then Caesar fasted for 25 days to bring attention. Um, and... It's it's heard of that that um, he just decided on himself that he was going to to do fasting, and um, so which was good because it did bring national attention. That's what people remember him for. What I thought it was so like interesting was it was five years of strike. Wow, five years! I know, nineteen seventy. Just thinking, this is just one. No, like, that's what I thought. Wow, I went on strike for seven days, and that was harsh. Jeez. And we. Us teachers like suffered like a lot, a lot of pain. For yes, that, for, so that was rough. I can't even imagine. So how could they get? Basically, the community just supported each other. They cooked for them. They wow. donated food for five years. That is amazing. That is amazing. But gosh, like I wish I had the wherewithal to be that convicted like to have yes. a belief to just believe and say it's gonna make a difference because yeah. you know we just give up you it's know easy. it's not gonna yeah it's like no there's Damn. a ton of reasons why why it would fail like it's too long they really stuck to it wow so by 1970 um they got a pay increase they got medical insurance and they also <laughs> had limited like limited pesticide use because they were exposed to all this toxic stuff um the UFW, um, eventually, Cesar Chavez didn't really, didn't work with um, Larry. Oh, um, what happened? It was, Cesar was getting most of the spotlight. Oh, okay. And so, Filipinos were kind of just, like, pushed away. Um, but I like at the end, his, I mean, okay, so look, that's basically his life. Um he wanted to be a lawyer, but he ended up being a labor union activist for his whole life. So that's what I find amazing is like he was doing this since the, the depression wow. till 1970 and then beyond, but never received any recognition for it. Never received any. I found it interesting that, yeah, my parents didn't speak of it. But then again, they didn't come here until the 70s. 
So I don't know if that that's the reason why I never heard of it. Um, there was a village um, created that he was involved with called the Agbayani village. It's named after a Filipino that actually had a heart attack on the picket line. And so that was for Manongs. So basically these Manongs, again, they couldn't marry. They didn't marry. They didn't have families and they needed some place to stay. So that was where they, they stayed. Um, so other, uh, other stuff is he died, um, in 1977, 63 years old. So very young. In 2013, California legislation, AB 123, um, declared that, um, that schools be required to teach the Filipino contributions to the farm workers in all public schools. Oh, wow. It is, it is 2020, and I've never even heard of this. Yeah. So how is it a, a state legislation? But I guess... Like my husband always says, like, you got to push the ball. You don't expect people to push the ball. Like, you got to make the change. You don't. They can say that, but the district's not going to push for it. Well, like Ileong, I mean, he had to go and do his fight, you know, because nobody else was going to fight for him. Nobody else was going to do that. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a certain mindset and determination. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been doing it and I know that it's tiring sometimes to fight, but look, Mm -hmm. you, you got them to recognize Filipino history month, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but then now it's a matter of making sure that they follow through on that. Not just words. Yes. Now now it's just words and it's, that's Mm -hmm. nice, but now what? So what is the next step? So that brings us to our next thing which is how can we be more visible and what is our next actions on that? I love that Jade said something about um, it's just being words and now bringing it to action because our podcast, although we try to have some humor and entertainment, um, (laughs) we also want to see like, what can we do? Um, What can we do? How can we move the ball forward? So I have a couple of recommendations. So in general, Please read the book Journey for Justice, The Life of Larry Itliong by Don Mabalon and Gail uh, Romasanta. It is a really great book uh, to read uh, as a parent, as an educator, or even just as a just an adult that just wants to know about it. It's, it has illustrations because it seems like a child's book, but it actually has a lot of great information. It's not written like like uh, elementary school like history buffs people who want to know the history of yes yes um share this info on social media so um there's a lot of articles out there about um about filipino americans share all that share this podcast please wherever you listen to it or um tweet it out or share it on instagram share our posts and instagram to get the message out um, and then ask public schools about Filipino American history and what are they doing to share the, the Filipino contributions uh, in America. Um, that's a great one, too. Um, have the youth write letters to leaders about things that they think are important. So to continue, you know, the spirit of Larry Itliong, maybe there's labor conditions that um, need to be improved Maybe you care about the environment or pesticides, or maybe you just want to stand up for what you think is right. 
I think that's so great to uh, to encourage in the youth, especially since we have social media and all the tools that we never had. And in terms of educators, I think we should teach about Larry Leong and other Filipino contrib- contrib- uh, contributors to American history. Um, even if it's just about Larry Long and the laboring movement, while you talk about Cesar Chavez, um, you can influence schools to add this to their to the curriculum and celebrate Filipino American History Month in October. What are your thoughts about our episode? Do you have anything to add? If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us so we can receive more visibility and grow our audience. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment on our social media pages like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for The Coconut Connection. Our handles are in the show's notes. Or you can email us at coconutconnection2@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So what do you think, Jade, of all of this information? Uh, last thoughts? You know, I'm really happy that you brought this up. And mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. But I have to say, you know, I think that my family, I think that most of my family members were or are ashamed of, like, being Filipino. Mm-hmm. And they I feel... Kind of passed it on Yes, to us. yes. And I feel like the shame was passed on to us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sad to say, and it's kind of embarrassing to say, and maybe kind of shameful in itself. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the reason I don't have... You know, like, it's almost like you don't think about it, it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. do I identify... Do I even identify as Filipino? Yeah, do, these are you good know? questions to ask yourself. Um I think also based on history and based on colonization and, um, you know, English is better. Being America is better. Yeah. It's like in order to be successful in life, that's how they were. That's what they were told. That's what someone said that um, people it's because when you become a citizen back in the day, they make you give up your citizenship. You know, you're you have to renounce your citizenship and English was thought to be the language like you, that was, you had, they were calling, you know, they had to, you had to be English speaking, Mm -hmm. you know, give all that up. So I get that you want to fit in like our, Mm -hmm. our ancestors wanted to fit in. Mm -hmm. But what's sad is they've completely annihilated their whole history to the point where we don't even identify as anything. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't identify or you identify, but then other people don't see you as that too. So that's that struggle of like identity. Like, like we talk about you're Filipino. No, you're not Filipino enough. You're American, but you're not really American, right? Where are you really from? Like that kind of conversation. But I think knowing about your history and knowing that you contributed to America as much as anybody else did, it empowers you. And I think I agree. That's a good conversation to have. Like I said, there are other resources that do it better than us. Okay. Um, like we said, we're entry level woke. Yes. So um, definitely t- check out Long Distance Radio and the work that they're doing there. And um, TFAL, this is Filipino American Life. Um, they are doing work there. And it's very inspiring. We can do our work our way as well and maybe open up open up those communication lights. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
The Coconut Connection. I'm Jade. And I'm G. Until next time, try smize. No stink eye. Stay woke, not broke. Peace.